welcome to Grace Life Church Podcast. If you would like any more information about us, please visit our website, gracelife.com.au. Well, last week was Easter. Okay, we've forgotten in a week. That's good. So long ago, it feels like it was a long, long time ago. Last week was Easter, and uh, we actually started a series last week called Living in Encounter. And so we had an encounter conference the week before uh, Easter, and the whole purpose of that, that conference was to invite us to this place of encountering Jesus, the life-giving presence of God. We believe in, in a God that is not dead, A God that is risen, a God that is glorious, a God that is powerful, and a God that invites us to know Him personally. Not to just know about Him, not to just read stories about Him or to hear other people talk about Him, but to know Him personally. And often what happens in that place is we have these encounters, we call them, these face-to-face encounters, these, these places where we come in relationship or into the presence of God, where we hear from Him, where we speak to Him, where we do life with Him. And uh, we wanted to, to really look at it from the angle of not just being about having an encounter with Jesus and then going on with life, but living in an encounter with Jesus. An ongoing encounter with the person of Jesus Christ. And uh, as I've been praying into the, the, the word for this morning, I felt the sense, you know, that last week was Easter. And what can happen even in church circles is that we go from celebrating Good Friday and Easter Sunday and then we kind of just move on. And sometimes in a Pentecostal church, we jump over to Pentecost, which was 50 days after Jesus was raised from the dead. And so we celebrated last week, we remembered the, 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 the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross as he gave up his life as an offering uh, to take on the, the penalty and the punishment for our sins. He took it all upon himself so that we may be free. And then on the Sunday, as you know, we, we celebrated he was risen from the dead by the power of God. And then what happened after that? Well, we see that because of what took place on the cross... And then because of what took place with the resurrection, that the people of God had a space and a chance and an an opportunity to live in relationship with Jesus. And I want to pick up from what happened just after the resurrection. And we're going to read from the start of Acts, the book of Acts. And uh, before I get into that, has anyone ever moved house before? Yeah, you've moved house? Lots of us have. Anyone moved house recently? Yeah, there's a few that have re- recently moved house. You know what, what really affects when you moved house, when you, when you move into a new house? You know what's really a big effect? Your neighbours. Because if you move into a house and you've got real difficult neighbours, you know that actually can affect your life. I don't know if anyone, has anyone ever had tough neighbours? Don't put your hand up if you're sitting near them. We're all pretty close in Ellenbrook. Uh, we, we moved from Nolamara. We used to live in Nolamara and we moved into Marangaroo. Uh, this would have been a, you know, seven years ago or something like that. And uh, when we moved into Marangaroo, we actually moved into a house that is next to some neighbours 
who were delightful. They, they were, I don't use this as a derogatory term, they were bogans. I, you know, I think bogans are cool, but they, these guys were like the bogans of bogans. So you imagine if you had the holy of holies over here, and then you had the bogan of bogans over here. These guys were like past that. And uh, they were rowdy, they were, they were loud, they, they would drink every night, they'd have parties most weekends. The first night we moved in was Christmas Eve, I think. We moved in just before Christmas Eve and they had um, a huge party and the two brothers that lived there ended up having a punch-up and uh, police, you know, coming. But I heard at one point, I was going to the toilet, overshare, <laughs> But our toilet was backing onto their fence, and so we could hear them pr pretty loud. But I heard one of them say, hey, we've got new neighbors. You need to settle down. So I was like, oh, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. At least thinking of us, even though they were getting pretty rowdy. But uh, your neighbors can really affect you. But you know what else, what else happens when we move house? You, you don't go to exactly the same house when you move. Not rocket scientists. But you move into a new area, you move into a new house, and everything in that house is different. You can try and make it look like the old house. You can try and put the same paint colors on the walls. You can put the same pictures on the, on the, on the walls. You can set the furniture, take the same furniture, but you're living in a new house. And uh, no matter how much you try to make it like the old house, you can't. I don't know if you've ever moved and then thought, you know, uh, You've, you've been in autopilot and started heading to the old house. Anyone ever done that? When we moved house to Averley, we, uh, you know, w coming out of the office, if I turned left, I would have gone to Marangaroo. If I turned right, I go to Averley. Do you know how many times I turned left to go to Marangaroo and just didn't realize, hey, I need to go to the new house? But no matter how much you try and make it look like the old house, you can't. When it comes to... What took place with the, the death of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, he brings us into a new covenant. He brought us into a new, uh, new framework, a new theology, a new understanding of relationship with God. But what can happen is we try to go back to the old way. We try to revert back to what it used to look like, the old way of thinking, the old way of living, the old house that we used to live in. But the resurrection brought us into a new covenant, into a new relationship, into a new house. And whilst it might reflect in many ways the old, the new has come and the new is greater. The Bible tells us that the new covenant is, is, is a more fulfilled, more greater covenant. And we have the privilege of living in the new house that God has built of living in this new covenant, this new understanding, this concept of relationship, intimate, close proximity with God, which many before us yearned for, many before us wanted and desired. And guess what? We get blessed with this in incredible opportunity to be a part of this. And I'll read from Acts chapter 1, and I want to kind of take us through the, the journey of the disciples who had come from an old kind of theology, an old covenant way of living, which is where they were, but now are moving into the new. So Acts chapter 1, verse 1. 
It says this, In my first book, I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven and, given, and giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. During the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive and he talked to them about the kingdom of God. What happened when Jesus was resurrected? For the next 40 days, we read, he interacted with his disciples following him. He appeared to them. He revealed himself to them. He walked with them. He talked with them. He, he it said he taught them about the kingdom of God. He spent time with them. It also says there that he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. I love the thought that Jesus, when he is resurrected, for the next 40 days, he takes time to spend with those that were close to him, to prove to them that he was alive. He took time to actually walk with them, probably to answer the questions that they have. We read that they ask questions about the kingdom. Isn't it, isn't it amazing to think that Jesus would take time to walk with those who had questions, possibly uh, some doubts, possibly some un uh, confusion and misunderstandings about what had happened? Think about the disciples and the journey they've been on. They've been walking with Jesus. They've left everything to follow him. He gets killed. He's crucified. They think, what's happening now? We've lost him. Was that all a waste of time? What do we do now? He's then resurrected, raised from the dead. Anyone in here said, seen someone raised from the dead before? That would be pretty incredible. That would be pretty awesome to see. It would have been mind-blowing for them. And then they would have had questions. They would have been like, what's going on? And for 40 days, Jesus appeared to them, proved to them that he was alive. I want you to know that God is not, he's not afraid of your questions. God's not afraid of your doubt. God's not afraid of, of your concerns and your confusions. In fact, he, he, he often takes the time to sit with us and to explain to us, to show us, to prove to us that He is there, that He is real. Jesus walked with them, opened His heart to them, shared with them things about the kingdom of God. If you've come today and you've got questions, you're not sure, things don't add up, you're, you're, you're uncertain about different things, can I encourage you to spend time with Jesus? He is the one that can answer your questions. And, and He's not going to dismiss you. He's not going to just cut you off and say, no, don't ask that. You should, be, you should know better than that by now. You've been following me for three years. You've been following me for 30 years. He is so gentle, so patient, so merciful to us. I think He gets it that our, our, our comprehension is limited, that our minds are, are fickle. I think He understands that and He has grace towards us. So if you have questions, you're in the right place. I've got questions. I, 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 I sit with Jesus at times and say, why? I don't get it. How does that work? What's happening here? I'm, so, I'm just encouraged to see that he spent 40 days with them, proving that he was alive, showing them that he was alive. And then we read on, and it says, in verse 4, once he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. 
John baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So the apostles were with Jesus. They kept asking him. So they're, 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 they're having these conversations and they keep asking him. And they asked him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times and they are not for you to know. So some things, even though we ask, he might say, well, you don't need to know that right now. For this question here, he said, well, it's not for me to, to reveal that to you. This, is, this will be revealed in time. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now verse 9 says, After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching and they could no longer see him. Talk about mind-blowing. They're having this conversation, and when he's finished telling them about what's going to happen and how the Holy Spirit is going to come upon them, and they're going to be witnesses, he is taken up into the sky and disappears into a cloud. That is gangster. That is like a, a cool... What's not an entrance? What's the, what's the exit? That is a cool exit. He goes up into the sky and then a cloud and he can't see him. We call this the ascension of Jesus. And uh, this took place 40 days after the resurrection. He ascended back into heaven. We can breeze over this. We can skip over this. But it's important in the, part, in the outworking of what God was doing, that Jesus rose back to the place of glory. I've got four little, four little keys for us today. Here's the first one. The sun went up. Can you say that with me? The sun went up. The sun went up. When Jesus was resurrected, he spent 40 days with the disciples, appearing to them, proving, teaching about the kingdom of God, and then on the 40th day, he ascended to heaven. He rose to heaven. Why is this important to us? Because this very thing vindicated Jesus and validated what Jesus had taught. He had been mocked. He had been spoken ill of. People had called him a heretic. People had said that he was a blasphemer. People had said that he was a wine briber. He was a drunkard. People had said that he was, uh, he was a sinful person. People had said all of these things about Jesus and didn't believe the claim that he was the Son of God, that he was the Messiah, that he was God incarnate. They didn't believe those things. And so when he died and was resurrected, those things were shown to be true, what he had said. But then in his ascension, as he was raised to glory, he was vindicated. Vindicated of all of those things that were spoken of him. The enemy, everything that had been put toward him that was false, that was a lie, in his glorification as he was risen to the place of kingship in heaven, which was his rightful place, he was vindicated, shown to be the king of glory. Scriptures tell us that Jesus was taken to the place of glory and honor, seated at the right hand of the Father. He was raised back. 
We read in Philippians that he emptied himself, he, gave, he, he fully emptied himself of his divine privileges and took upon the form of a human in the form of a bondservant, a slave, humbled himself in obedience to death, yes, death on a, a criminal's death on a cross, and therefore God exalted him, lifted him up to that place of glory. Jesus right now is glorified that is important for us to understand that right now he reigns and rules on high he is in that place of sovereignty he is seated on the throne right now he is there he is risen he is in glory right now and the scriptures also say that we are seated with him in heavenly places that we are seated with him is that not cool as well to realize that because of what happened with him, because of what he did, we have all of the divine privileges that were his. We have now been caught up in that place of glory with him. Wow. The sun went up. I was thinking, even as I was praying this week, you know, when the sun rises physically, when, when naturally, when the sun rises, I was like, man, that is such a reminder to me that God is on the throne. That there was darkness on, on, when, when he was crucified. That there was, you know, there was confusion. There was pain. But guess what? The sun rose. The sun rose and he didn't just rise back to life. He rose to glory and now he is seated on high. And every time you see the sun rise, let it remind you that he is risen. And that he reigns on high. He's in control. He is seated in glory. Our God is in control. The sun went up. Don't gloss over it. Let's not just skip to Pentecost, although Pentecost is important. But he is risen and he has been glorified. What happened then, we see with, with the apostles. Um, let's go back to Luke because Luke 24 Because Luke actually wrote the book of Acts as well. So it was like two pieces that flowed into one another. And you'll see that he finishes his, his book, his gospel of Luke by talking about Jesus' ascension. And then he starts the book of Acts by talking about Jesus' ascension. It's actually bringing them together. And in uh, Luke 24 verse 50 it says this, Then Jesus led them to Bethany and lifting his hands to heaven he blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up to heaven. And listen to, their, listen to the response, what took place with them, the disciples at this point. So they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem filled with great joy. They were joyous when they saw him raised to heaven, when they saw him ascend to heaven. And they spent all of their time in the temple praising God. What a different outcome and what a different response to them what we saw in, uh, if we read in John's gospel where Jesus was first telling the disciples that he was going to leave them. But don't worry because he's going to send someone else. He was going to send the comforter. He was going to send the Holy Spirit. But it says that they were in despair, that they were discouraged, that they were terrified when they thought that he was going. But because of what he proved through his death, 
when he ascended, it not only vindicated him, but it validated everything he had taught them. And the validation was that they knew that as he left them, that he was going to send someone else, that he was going to send the helper. And for one, for finally, they had conviction that the Holy Spirit was coming. They may have questioned it before, but this validated everything that he had said. I love it when God proves himself faithful. I love it when I see God, you know, you see time and time again that he just proves himself faithful. I said, we were talking a little bit last week about our faith and about, about you know, how, how our faith is, is, is built and, and it develops. You know what one of the greatest ways to strengthen your faith is? To look at his faithfulness and to remind yourself of his faithfulness. Because when you remember how he's been faithful in the past, it gives you faith for the future. When you see that he has validated himself in the past, he has told you what was going to happen, he's shown you, and he's proven himself faithful, it strengthens our faith. So look to his faithfulness. Remind yourself of his faithfulness. He was validated here in this passage. We see that. But then it says to him in verse number 4, we read this, it says, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift He promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. First thought was the sun went up. Second thought here is the Spirit came down. The sun went up and the Spirit came down. When Jesus ascended into heaven, it, was, it needed to happen for Him to go to the Father so that He could send the Spirit. And when he, went in, when he ascended, the next 10 days, the disciples waited. They waited for him. They waited on him, waiting for the promise, doing just as he said, not leaving Jerusalem. They actually went back to Jerusalem and they camped themselves there waiting for what he had promised. They positioned themselves for the promise of the Holy Spirit. The sun went up and he said, just wait. Just wait there in Jerusalem. Don't take a step until the Spirit comes. Come on, that, that's got to tell us how important the Holy Spirit is to the walk of a Christian. That's got to tell us that we can't leave home without Him. They weren't to do anything without the filling of the Spirit. They weren't to go and walk in their own strength, which means for 10 days they waited. For 10 days they tarried. For 10 days they prayed. For 10 days they worshipped and they waited for the Spirit, for the promise. They didn't know it was going to be 10 days, but... They were just prepared to wait until the Spirit came. And on God's timeline, He chose Pentecost to pour out the Holy Spirit. Pentecost, we might take from our framework to think that the Pentecost was named after the outpouring of the Spirit, but the Pentecost was already celebrated by the Jewish people for hundreds of years before that as the, the, harvest, as the celebration of the harvest and the ingathering of the harvest, which took place 50 days after the Passover. It was already a celebration that was taking place. And on that day, God chose to pour out His Spirit. God chose to send the Holy Spirit. I don't think that's an accident either. A celebration for the harvest. He sends the great harvester. He sends the great empowerer. He sends the one who will fill them with power to be witnesses to bring in a harvest of, people's, of people coming to Jesus. Not accidental, but the sun went up and the Spirit came down. The Holy Spirit was sent upon to, to come and to fill people. And we don't have to wait till the day of Pentecost, which is 50 days after, to celebrate the day of Pentecost because we get to celebrate it every day. 
Because the truth of the Pentecost experience where the, the, the disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit is still the truth of today. Where God is still pouring out His Spirit. He's still filling, his, he's still filling lives with His Spirit. The Holy Spirit is still coming upon people's lives. Just as it was experienced in Pentecost. Let's read from the next chapter here in Luke. Verse chapter 2. In verse 1, it speaks of this experience. It says, On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like a roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit. Everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit. There was no distinction between male, female. There was no distinction between their, their race or their, their class. Everyone was filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Important to note, as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability, not as they tried to conjure up from themselves. The Spirit gave them this ability to speak in other tongues, in other languages. The Holy Spirit came and filled the place, filled people, filled them with the Spirit. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and things started to shift and change in their lives. We see this supernatural act where they start to speak in other languages. Languages that they had not learnt before. As the Spirit gave utterance, as the Spirit opened their mouths. And uh, even people in that place had come for the Pentecost celebration from different parts to come to this place. And so they spoke different languages. And as these disciples who had been filled with the Spirit, they spoke out, people heard them and said, What? They're, they're praising God in our language. Supernatural. Again, add to the, to the, the experience of these disciples. Man, they've just been through a journey. They've just seen some crazy stuff. They've seen some supernatural stuff. They've seen signs and wonders. They've seen resurrections. They've seen ascensions. Now they see the outpouring of the Spirit. I reckon they're probably at a point where they're like, whatever. Whatever happens, it can happen. Because we serve a supernatural God. And I want to say today that you can't just reason your, your way around Him. You can't just work Him out. He moves supernaturally, spiritually. He does things that do not make sense in the physical. He is a supernatural God. And He's called us to, to, to come on this supernatural journey. But it's so important for us to not try and do it on our own strength. We need the Holy Spirit. We need the great, precious promise of the Holy Spirit to fill us. And I ask you today, are you filled with the Spirit? Are you full of the Holy Spirit? Does He lead you? Does He saturate you? Does He, does he, 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 does he contain and uh, fill your life? Jesus said to them, You have been baptized with water as John baptized, but one day, the day is coming when you're going to be baptized, immersed, fully immersed in the Spirit. Are you immersed in the Spirit? Are you filled with the Spirit? 
We see that Paul says this in Ephesians to the church. He says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the tense that's used in the Greek is not a one-off thing where you're just to be filled once. It's an ongoing thing where you're being filled to filled to filled to filled. That tense in that word means to be filled and filled and filled and filled. That we're continuously being filled with the Spirit. How do you live a life of encounter with Jesus? By being filled with His Spirit. By being filled with His Spirit. The sun went up. The Spirit came down. Here's the third thing. God moved in. This is where it would have blown the minds of the disciples who had this old, old kind of covenant, this old thinking, where they understood that the temple was the place of worship. The temple was the place of encounter. That in order to get to the presence of God, they had to go through the rituals and the sacrifices, and they had to go through the pathway and the journey to get from where they were to into the, the deeper places of encounter with God. But there were only some that could go into the Holy of Holies. The high priest once a year was enabled to go into the holiest place. It was reserved for the, the religious elite. The holy of holies. And now think about this. The whole world is being flipped upside down where now they're being told that you don't need to go to the holy of holies because the holy of holies is in you. God moved in. God came to live within. And that journey, that, that ritualistic, that, that, that moving toward the Holy of Holies was now, hang on a second, He has come toward you. He has moved towards you. He has come to live in you. We've got to catch this. God lives within us. Jesus showed us God is with us. The Spirit shows us God is in us. God lives within you. Okay, try and work that one out. Try, try, try and how? What does that look like? The Spirit of God comes to live within us. When Jesus was on the cross, when he died, what does the scripture say in Matthew? That the temple veil was torn. It was torn. The veil was what stopped man from entering into the Holy of Holies. Until the atonement, until they went to, for the day of atonement when the high priest would take the sacrifice. Jesus, the high priest, broke, split the veil. That which separated man from God was broken by his death. And he invites us into the place, not to just go to an encounter, but to live with the person of encounter in us. This changes everything. This changes everything because you don't just have to come to the temple for an encounter with Jesus. You don't just have to come on a Sunday morning for an encounter with Jesus. You can encounter Jesus wherever you are by His Spirit. You can encounter Jesus wherever you are, day in, day out. You have access to God all the time, 24-7, unhindered. You don't have to bow your knees. You don't have to rub the beads. You don't have to do any of that. You can just encounter Him and connect with Him, engage with Him because He lives within you. He lives within you. I feel more excited than you. That, I don't know, that would have been difficult for them to first understand, to comprehend because everything was back to the temple. 
But then Paul has to go on in different uh, uh, epistles to, to tell them, you know, think about this. We are like these, these jar clays with this precious treasure in us. And that treasure shows that the surpassing power of God is, is it's His power in us, not us. He also says to them, do you not realize that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit? Your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. He lives within you. He is in you. That's good news. That's good news. I encourage you to live in the reality of that. Don't get stuck at the cross. Don't even get stuck at the resurrection. Live in the reality that the Holy Spirit has come to live within you. God has moved in. God has moved in. And then we ask ourselves the questions because you know, we want to we partner with Him. We want Him to, to, to fill us, to, to saturate us. Uh, what, I ask you the question, if I have an empty cup, It's not actually empty. It's got coffee in it. Don't judge me. But if I had an empty cup, and there was, well, there's obviously air in there, if it was empty. How do I get the air out of the cup? You fill it up. You fill it up buttercup. If you want to get the air out of the cup, you don't try and suck the air out of the cup. You pour water into the cup and the air will leave. Let me encourage us to focus on being filled with the Spirit, to, to direct your focus and your attention toward Him filling you more than you are to yourself emptying yourself. Because we can struggle, we can, I want to empty myself of this sin. I want to I wanna just get rid of this and, and, and do this. Noble, yes. But let's focus on Jesus filling us with His Spirit and allowing that to wash and permeate and to, to, to wash out all the other stuff. Become less sin conscious and more God conscious. Less focused on the sin and more focused on Jesus. And allow Him to. It doesn't diminish the, the effect of sin, I'm not talking about you know, uh, not being serious with sin. But what I am saying is like, look to Jesus and allow Him to fill you. Allow Him to do the work in you. Because, guess what? You can't do it on your own. When Jesus has a conversation with a man named Nicodemus, wow, what did I say there? Nicodemus, he has this conversation and he tells him that you must be born again. And Nicodemus tries to work it out. He's like, what? Born again? Does that mean I need to uh, go back? He's trying to work it out. And Jesus is like, no, you've got to be born by the Spirit. Nicodemus was a Pharisee. He was one of the religious elite. And uh, he had pretty much come to the place of being able to work his own salvation, to, to try and get himself good with God. And Jesus says, the one thing that you actually need is to be born by the Spirit is the one thing that you actually can't do yourself. That is a work of the Holy Spirit. See, regeneration of our hearts is a work of the Spirit. You can't make yourself born again. That is a work of the Spirit. 
Salvation is a work of the Spirit. Sanctification is a work of the Spirit. The process of becoming more like Jesus is a work of His Spirit in us. So focus on the Spirit. Let God live in you and let Him take residence. This, ta- this means it's more than just having a visitation encounter with God and having an habitation lifestyle of encounter with God where He lives, He dwells, He has freedom to do whatever He wants in your life. The sun went up, the Spirit came down, God moved in. He said, modern Christianity is focused upon filling churches with people Whereas New Testament practice is more focused on filling people with God. Not filling buildings with people, but seeing people filled with God. So that you experience Him, you encounter Him, you carry His presence, but then also so that you're you become an encounter for someone else. The sun went up, the Spirit came down, God moved in, and the church moved out. What took place after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit when they were filled with the Spirit is that the church started to move toward people. The church went with the gospel. Jesus said, you will be empowered to be my witnesses, to go into the ends of the earth from this place to that place to that place. By the power of the Spirit, you're going to witness to me. You're going to show people the reality of me. And it became less about the, 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 the temple worship, although they, they still met, they still worshiped together, but they saw that they carried the presence of God which meant that anyone that they came in relationship with, anyone that they came into the vicinity of, they became a potential encounter with them as conduits of His presence. You would see that Peter, Paul, all of these people who were filled with the Spirit of God would then go and they'd see healings take place. Jesus would encounter people through them by the power of His Spirit at work in them. Supernatural signs and wonders there would be healings. There would be, uh, there, there would be people get, with, being cast, like demons being cast out. There would be all of these crazy, miraculous things that those who were filled with the Spirit, those who carried the presence of God, would be performing. And then there'd be real practical stuff where they loved people and they cared for people and they served people and they blessed people as the Spirit changed their hearts towards Him. But the church became active when the Spirit came upon them. As God moved in, they started to move out. And they became influential in reaching people for Jesus. Which, again, reframes us that being filled with the Spirit isn't just for your experience so that you get the feels and the tears and you're moved while, while, while God wants to encounter you. He wants you to be someone that helps others encounter Him. And that doesn't just happen here on a Sunday. We gather, but then we scatter. And we scatter not as a, a people that have no purpose, but we scatter as a sent people. 
We scatter as a missional people. We scatter with the message of Jesus, carrying light and hope for a world that is in darkness, that is in despair, that is broken and needs a saviour. They were filled with the Spirit and then they flooded out. They scattered and they went into different places. We come together today and there's what, you know, there's a stack of us in this room, but where are we tomorrow? Do you know tomorrow's as important as today? And tomorrow's is as much of a potential encounter for someone as today is in your office. In your workplace, in the shopping center, at the gym, wherever you're going tomorrow becomes a potential for people to encounter the Holy Spirit because He lives within you. And I wanted to pray this morning that we are activated in that, that, that we come to the reality and the, 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 the awareness that we carry the presence of God. And there are people that need to see him, people that need to know him, people that need to encounter him. We were praying this morning and I just felt, you know, praying, you know, people would encounter Jesus in Ubers. I don't know, does anyone drive an Uber here? No? That people would, maybe you catch an Uber. Yeah. <laughs> That I just praying, you know, people would encounter Jesus in Ubers. That people would encounter Jesus in pizza shops. That that there would be a flooding of this world with the presence of God as people go, as people walk, as people work, as people do normal life, as people you know interact with people. That you would they would come into contact with God through you because you carry His presence. It's a divine, incredible thing. To, to consider that we have been chosen, filled with His Spirit, and it's not purposeless. It's not purposeless. I want to pray even now that, that God would fill us fresh with His Spirit, that He would fill us fresh with His Spirit, that there would be more of Him, less of us. And that in doing so, He would fill us and flood, that we would fill the world, that we would flood the world. You know, as the, the prophecy came this morning of the sound of the rain and the Holy Spirit, as He brings life, as His, as his life touches ours and causes fruit to come, causes life to come. I want to pray that for us today. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast from Grace Life Church. For more information about us or any of our services, please visit our website at gracelife.com.au.